0: We've been talking about uh, a journey of transformation and inviting God to make changes in us. Um, For the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, we've been looking at this as uh, a season of preparation. We're just preparing for how God wants us to change. For some of us, we're already changing. We're already experiencing that transformation. But for some of us, it's it's still a matter of just being at peace with God. And we lit these candles uh, through the four Sundays of Advent, and we reminded ourselves that when God changes us, we have hope, We have joy, we have love, and we have peace. Those are things that we are promised, we're entitled to, as those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Christmas Eve, we lit the Christ candle, and now we uh, celebrate because Christ has come. And as we do that, as we think about Christ being resident in the world, in human form, in this baby who has a body. Um, We heard the words on Christmas Eve um, sung. We sang them. Tiny heart whose blood would save us unto us is born. And I went away from the Christmas Eve service and that, that phrase stayed with me. And I put it out on one of my social media feeds that This tiny heart, actually a human heart that has these chambers that pump real blood, whose real blood was going to be shed for us, that would save us and to us is born. And then today, the scripture reading today, I have to tell you, I just think this is one of the greatest blessings to parents in scripture. As Stephen read to us about Mary and Joseph, and they had been down in in Jerusalem, probably for the Passover, and they're getting ready to go home. And do you have Jesus? No. Do you have Jesus? You know, that experience. And, And, oh, you know, where in the world is he? And then to read through that, you realize that they couldn't find him for three days. Let me tell you, parents, if Mary and Joseph can leave Jesus for three days and endure that kind of panic, not being able to find him in Walmart, you'll make it. Um, I just, I always smile and laugh at that. That Jesus was a boy just like every other boy who wandered off and had interests that distracted him. And Mary and Joseph were parents just like every other parent that worried and wondered and forgot and <laughs> were late and distracted. And yet there's something going on in this story Jesus is changing he's growing and he is expressing his interest in the things of the lord and and so he spends his time there in the temple and i have no idea what did he do for 3 days where did he sleep what did he eat who looked after him and then you realize you know he's the son of god i have a feeling his heavenly father was involved And so we're talking today about this presence, how God is present. Present in those days in that human form in Jesus Christ, but present today not only in the memory and the history of being here as an actual person, but present today in the promise of his Holy Spirit. And so we prepare with God... Active, right alongside us, and present all the time, and so we 're going to uh, we 're going to look at this passage of scripture that i 've chosen from John chapter fifteen verses one through eight, as Jesus is teaching <clears throat> he says these things, he says, "I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn 't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. You are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. I want to share a story with you that happened to us last year, to our family last year. And and it's this dilemma of being disconnected or cut off. And there's something kind of attractive and enticing about sort of disconnecting and not being in our normal surroundings and connected with people around us. Last year, part of our Christmas to each other uh, as a family was we decided to get away and and go up to the mountains. We have friends who own some cabins up in the St. Vrain Canyon in Colorado. It's a beautiful spot. There's a creek that runs right through the canyon there, and they've built four or five cabins right alongside the creek. And we've stayed there several times So we drove up a couple of days early in December and uh, we stayed in the cabin. It was beautiful. We had a fire in the fireplace each night. We played games each night. One of the beauties of staying up there is you you are in the bottom of this canyon in the mountains and there is no cell phone signal at all. And you are completely disconnected. And so... Being out there is great in one sense because none of you get to bother me. And it's great in another sense because I'm not looking at the news on my phone or my social media feed, or we're not sitting around the table with our faces buried in a smartphone. And instead, we're looking outside, and we're watching snowflakes fall, and we're looking at the fire in the fireplace, and it's, it's just beautiful, and it's quiet, and it, it, there wasn't snow on the ground when we arrived, but our last night there, it started snowing. I mean, and it really started snowing the way it can in the mountains, and so it just coming huge flakes just coming down, blanketing everything, and so we opened the door, and we looked outside, and it was beautiful. It was that kind of Norman Rockwell picture of Christmas. You're in a log cabin, and you're looking out at the mountains, and the snow is covering the evergreens, and you just want to sing Christmas carols. But we went to bed, and at about one o'clock in the morning, there's a carbon monoxide detector in the cabin, and it goes off. And so we look around and we don't smell any gas and we check in the furnace is burning and the fire's out in the fireplace. And so, you know, I kind of fan around the carbon monoxide detector and it quits beeping and we go back to bed. And about 15 or 20 minutes later, it goes off again. So now you're going, you know, this isn't real cool. I know enough about carbon monoxide that we may not wake up from this. So we start asking questions, what should we do? And so, you know, the owners of the cabins, they live down in in Longmont. And so we could call them, but we have no cell signal. We're disconnected. And this is the second time it's gone off. So we're sitting there, we're kind of debating. It went off a third time, and at that point I said, yeah, we're going home. Two o'clock in the morning, we gathered all of our stuff, packed it up, Went and got in the car, loaded the car in the snow. I mean, snow just coming down. And we got in the car and we said, let's get out of here. We don't know if that's safe. We'll call them tomorrow and let them know. Let's just head out. And then the question was, well, where are we going to go? So we, do we go down the mountains and find a hotel? Or, and I said, you know, let's just, let's just go back to Kansas. We had stayed with friends in Western Kansas on the way out. I said, let's just go back to Scott and Jess's and and we can sneak in to their house and go down to the basement and just sleep. We'll get there at about five to six, seven o'clock in the morning. They'll be getting up and and they won't care. They're going to go off to work and we'll just go in and crash. We'll drive through the night and get there. But in those moments, being disconnected, not being able to call a fire department or an ambulance or A member of the Northwest Free Methodist Church, (laughs) was not such a good thing anymore. We were really disconnected. But we got in the car and we started driving. And of course, this is in the mountains and it's snowing like crazy now. And we're coming down the mountain. So you're coming alongside the river and you're winding these little switchbacks coming down the mountain. And I was a little distracted. I mean, I'd been thinking about the carbon monoxide thing going off and we need to get gas, and we got to, now. I've got to drive from two o'clock in the morning till about four, or till about uh, five, six o'clock in the morning, and I'm having trouble staying awake. and And I come around a curve coming down the mountains. There's nobody else on the road, thank goodness. And the car just starts to slide a little bit and slides and slides off to the side of the road and get one wheel off the road. And I said, this isn't that bad. We'll get out. And I get out and look at it. And, well, we're kind of stuck. Still, no cell signal, so I'm not calling AAA or anything like that. And I'm sitting there and I go, you know, eventually somebody's going to come down the mountain and maybe they'll you know, pull us or help me push or something. We'll get out. We're not stuck badly. And And actually, we'd seen where a snowplow had already been by, so the snowplow will come back up the mountain, go in the other direction or something, and nobody. Nobody. And so there we sit in the car, in the canyon, disconnected, and thoughts of the Donner party go through my head. Okay, that may be a little bit of a hyperbole. But but you know, you just sit here going, how long are we gonna sit here and how much gas do we have? And when will our gas run out and the car is no longer warm? And and being disconnected and away from daily stuff all of a sudden it isn't so attractive anymore. All of a sudden a cell signal and a smartphone is a fantastic thing to have. All of a sudden being in Kansas where there's no snow on the ground is really, really desirable. And our idea of just getting away and disconnecting for a while, not such a great idea. And we're really at risk here. Well, we got out of the car and we pushed and we, you know, I, I had, I think I got Linnea in the driver's seat and, you know, she's the littlest one. And, and so we, she gassed it and we pushed and eventually got the car back out of that little rut And got back in the car and went down the rest of the way down the mountain. Got to Longmont, stopped and got a little bit of something to eat and some coffee to keep us awake. And Linnea started driving and away we went across eastern Colorado, headed home. But for for that night, it was memorable, but not for good reasons. I mean, all of a sudden, just disconnecting and coming away and resting turned into being at risk and distant and vulnerable and here's the thing we we have this risk of being disconnected from god in a way that makes us really at risk there's an attraction though that goes along with this. We could be disconnected from God and we think, you know what? I just don't want to listen to him anymore. I don't want to have to obey God. I don't want to have to do the stuff that he asked me to do. I don't want to have to read my Bible. I don't want to have to listen to my pastor. I don't want to have to be a nice person to the next person who's driving on on May's Road just for a minute, just for a day, just for a week. I'm going to do my own thing and it'll feel good and I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it and I'm not going to pray and ask Jesus what I should do here and I'm not going to worry about what anybody else cares and I'm not going to worry about my witness to whoever. I'm just going to, if I want to be mad, I'm going to be mad. If I want to be lazy, I'm going to be lazy. If I, You know, there's something incredibly attractive about the possibility of disconnecting but you know what, when you get into that, it's not that great. It's not that good. I remember listening to um, Mel Gibson, the actor and the producer of um, the movie about Christ's death. Um, uh, Passion of the Christ, thank you. I just drew a blank there. Um, I, I got to go up to Chicago when that film came out. I got an invitation to go and sit and Uh, listen to him talk about making the movie. And and he talks about the character of the devil in that movie. And if you remember, it's a really weird character and you can't quite tell whether it's male or female. And one of the things Mel Gibson said that he intended to do is he wanted at first glance for that person to be attractive. But then when you get close, they're really hideous. Because... This was his this was his take on that, and I think this is completely accurate. He said that's what sin is like. Sin originally attracts us. I mean it, it tells us this wonderful lie that says, you know, come over here because this is gonna be fun or cool or relaxing. And then when you actually get over there, it's not. It's deceiving. And it's confusing. Because what we thought we were gonna get is not what we get. And so it goes from being relaxing and just saying, you know, I'm going to disconnect for a while, to being deadly. And instead of just, I'm going to get away, it's, I'm going to be in a place where I may not survive. I may not get through this. Many of us have experienced that. We've disconnected from God and then we go, how in the world did I get here and how do I get out? And so this idea that if I could just disconnect for a while spiritually, maybe I can take a break. I can take a break from all these efforts at living the way God wants me to live, and it'll be a bit of a rest to me. But instead, we disconnect from all these ways of living the life. And it threatens our very life, and you go from resting to being buried. And you run the risk of people looking at us and saying, are they just asleep or are they dead? Have they just drifted off or are they gone? Well, that's what happens when disconnection continues to where life ceases. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he says, you know, If you don't remain in me, you get cut off, and those branches dry and wither when they're cut off, and the only thing they're good for is firewood. You see, when we're disconnected very long at all from God, we lose our life. We lose the life of Christ in us. So here's the thing I want to remind you of. So, Joel, go to the next one. I want to remind you that presence of Christ means so much to us. So this is a thought I want to stay with you today. If Jesus is in you, then great things are coming. If, if Jesus is active and occupying your life, we can anticipate that he is going to do great things. He does not do bad things. He does not do trivial things. He doesn't waste our time or his. He is always about the best. And so if Jesus is in you, great things are coming. And maintaining that connection is really, really important. So let's go on to this. Let's look at what that remaining actually looks like in that scripture where Jesus is talking in, in John chapter 15. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you, and you'll bear much fruit when you remain in me. And he it's, it's, it's really repetitive, and you wonder about that. Well, the word remaining in the Greek comes from the word meno, that's the root word. And, and the, word, the actual word is uh, menete, which uh, is built off of that root word and this word has a connotation it's not just remain like sit down and stay like I would tell our dog and she'll never obey but just you know she might sit but when I say stay she's like oh no no not having that I'm not staying I'm going to be right by you and and my dog actually understands what it means to remain better than I do Because the remainder our dog is, I'm going to be right by you, wherever you are at. And for some reason, our dog imprinted on me. When we first got her as a puppy, for some reason, she really likes me. And sometimes that's great, because I come home, and she is right there, and she sits right by me, and she loves me. And she looks up at me with adoring eyes um, at, at times when nobody else does. For good reason. Um, but, but she really likes me. And if I get up and leave the room, and it doesn't matter who else is in the room, pretty much she will follow me. She knows what remain means better than she knows what stay means. When I say stay, stay here, she's like, oh, no. no, not Where you go, I'm going. And some of you probably have pets or children like this. Or family members like this. Oh, if you, oh you're going over to their house? We'll go with you. That's remaining. You see, this word meno has this sense to it that you sojourn or you tarry with. It doesn't, Remain doesn't mean you stop and you sit and you do not move. No, it means that you connect to. And when you are connected to, you go with. So if you journey, if you wrestle with Christ, you're connected to him. You know, the, the life of a believer, I think, a person who follows Jesus Christ is a life that is defined by remaining, by, by just sojourning with, by sticking around. And when you stick around for a while, then you realize that sometimes things aren't so easy when you're that close to the Lord. Sometimes things aren't that, aren't that uh, simple. But when we stick close to, we stay connected to. See, when we journey with and we wrestle with, we are staying close to. The word Israel, the name that was given not only to a nation but also to a person, the word Israel literally in Hebrew means the person who wrestles with God or the one who wrestles with God. And so this nation became a nation that would wrestle with God. This because I mean that person literally wrestled through the night with God, and so got the name. And that went on to define a nation that wrestles with God. I think being close to God involves wrestling with God, and I think sometimes that's really good and fun. Like you know, some of you may have done over the Christmas uh, uh, break. You know, you have little kids or toddlers around, and you get down on the floor, and they climb on you, and they think they can conquer, you know, grandpa or uncle, and and you wrestle around and you tickle and it's fun and it's, it's close and there's a lot of connectivity going on. And then at other times, wrestle with means working through hard things. And how do we stay close when we disagree, when we aren't feeling so good about each other? And so if you journey with God, you're going to wrestle with God. And sometimes that's fun and joyful and there's a lot of laughter, and at other times it's frustrating and conflicting. There's another thing about this word, menete, that I want to bring to your attention. It's it's the tense of the word. It's a tense that we don't have in English. In English we have past tense and present tense and future tense. It was, it is, it will be. But in Greek, they have another tense. Actually, they got a couple of other tenses. But the one tense, the one that this one is in, is called the aorist tense. And the aorist tense is kind of, a, it, it is a past tense. But it's, it's a past tense that is active. It, it happened, but it continues. It's something that started a while ago, but it didn't stop. And so there's this active and past to the word remain. So it's this remain in me is it's it's something that started but it just keeps going and unfolding and becoming more. So remaining in God is not just about something that happened once but it's also about something that is ongoing and developing and evolving and becoming. So remaining to me looks like transformation. Starting started and ongoing. So let me remind you. Joelle, go to, the, go, back, go to the next slide for me. If Jesus is in you and you are in him, that's what we read in the Gospel of John. If he is in you and you are in him, great things are coming. So it's not just about Jesus being in you, although it is, but it's also about you being in him. Maintaining this connection. So here's, here's the next piece I want you to think about. Because Jesus says right after that, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And i got to tell you, at different times in my life, I have really, I've really wrestled and struggled with this times when i didn't feel very fruitful and i thought oh my word i'm not producing a lot of stuff for god and it's discouraging or at least i'm not producing stuff for god that i think i should be producing and so i need to i need to do more i need to work harder i need to be better and i know that i'm not the only person here that struggled with this sense of i've got to work harder on being a christian That's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying here when it comes to fruit is that the action, the activity that he calls us to is just to remain. That's the active verb. Just tarry, sojourn with me. The fruit is the effect. (coughs) So it's not as though the fruit is the action. And we get that wrong. We have a tendency to think, I've got to produce for God in order to be a godly person. The reality is, if we maintain a connection and proximity with Christ, our life is naturally, automatically, even unintentionally, it will do things that produce kingdom fruit. So if you've been like me at times where you go, I am not a very good Christian because... I didn't win someone to Jesus, or I—I I, I didn't, you know, give over and above my tithe this this year. I, I didn't teach a Sunday school class. I didn't mow the churchyard. I didn't help a homeless person. I'm not producing fruit. If you've remained in Christ, you have, and you will. So, the action is to keep that connection. It's to remain. It's to abide. It's to. Tarry and sojourn the natural byproduct is the fruit the fruit will happen I have to remind myself of that sometimes because I think I've got I to gotta work harder I've got to do more and show more kingdom stuff going on in our church through my life and my family in Wichita whatever the context may be but the truth of the matter is what Christ really calls us to is just come close just just draw up and sit by me. And so I want to I want to give you a Christmas present of sorts. I, I want to remove any kind of performance mentality for a moment. And to say, you know what? It's not about how we perform for Christ, it's how we relate to Christ. And if we can get that piece right, what we do and what we become will be holy and beautiful and fruitful. So here's the thing. If the effect is the fruit, then the activity of closeness bears the fruit of holiness. I had, I had a, an experience a couple years ago. A young man that attended the church I was pastoring was a very capable young man. He had uh, graduated with a a good degree and got a job. I was pastoring in Springfield, Illinois, the capital of Illinois. And he got a job in state government. Um, And he had some great prospects. And sure enough, I mean, he he ended up being offered a pretty nice job working for a a legislator. And he stepped out of that job then, and he went and did some other work, and he went on to do graduate work. And I I watched him as he went from being just a recent college graduate to being a very capable professional. This guy was smart. He was young. He was good-looking. He had a job that paid well, and he was going places, and he was getting things done. And I found out much later that he was incredibly frustrated. He was frustrated in his journey of faith. He was frustrated in his journey, in his his marriage, in his job, all of these things combined. But he came to church and we hung around and we would talk and occasionally we would pray together and and we would share our stories one with another. and, And he started asking me questions and I would try to answer them as a, Best I could as his pastor. A couple years ago, he sent me a card, just a greeting card out of the blue. And I got this greeting card with their name on the return address. And I, oh, I haven't thought about them in a while. And I opened the card. And it was one of these kind of blank cards where, you know, it's maybe a flower on the front or a landscape of scenery. And the inside, there's nothing printed. And he just wrote. And he wrote in this, and and I think we all need this kind of affirmation somehow in our spiritual life. He wrote in it, and he just said, Pastor Hank, I want to thank you for the way you journeyed with me several years ago. And the way you answered my questions and what you led me to. Because where I'm at as a husband and a follower, uh, as a father and a follower of Jesus Christ, is where I belong. Now, that journey, at the time, I had no idea was starting. I mean, I really wasn't that aware. And as I read that card, I thought, really? He got all that out of those conversations that we had. And he added some specific events that happened that we walked through that weren't the easiest events, but that God had led him through. And I thought back over it, and I thought, you know, I did not know. I did not know just quite how dramatic his life was changing. I didn't know that God was calling him away from a life of working in law and legislature work and calling him to work in another arena. But he did. He left that job and there were people around, people in our church that go, why in the world did Jeremy leave that job? He he was going places. He he could have been elected to public office eventually. And he just no, that's not where God wants me. Over Christmas break I was sitting with my cell phone connected <laughs> and I was looking at photographs that he had shared or his wife, I'm not sure which on Instagram, and there was the picture, this picture of four kids. the two oldest were born while they attended our church, twins. And they're not kids anymore. And I looked at them and I go, wow, they are man and woman. They're grown. And and in the comments section, they, they had written there, we're so thankful that the Lord has blessed us with this family and just giving God the glory. And I was just reminded that you know, my connection to Jesus and my connection to Jeremy did something that bore fruit. And I never thought for a moment, I need to do this with him. It was just a matter of living out close proximity to Christ. And so now I look at a whole family, a beautiful family family that are blossoming and growing in Jesus. And I just go, thank you, Lord, for the fruit that comes from you. And so I want to remind you of this. Go on to it here, Joel. Jesus said this in verse 5. Yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, this temptation to disconnect and say, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to set aside this stuff that everybody's telling me about who I should be in Jesus because there's things I need to do means you're going to fail. But if we can stay connected and say, okay, Lord, I've got to stay closer and closer to you, something's going to happen. We may not even be aware of what's happening, but something's going to happen, and it's going to be incredibly good. If Christ is in us and we are in him, what comes next is going to be far better. And so the journey of transformation is one that we can take the next step with some confidence and some peace and say, okay, God, we're going to go there. Because if I remain in you and you remain in me, something fruitful is about to happen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're like sheep. That's what you told us. Over and over again, <laughs> when you were here on earth, you said, you know, you people are like sheep, and you wander away, and you get lost, and, and we lose our connection to you, we lose our connection to the flock and the fellowship of believers, and yet you come and you find us. And, and then you say, Lord, we're like branches, and branches that are connected and grafted in are branches that, that grow and flourish and bear fruit, and branches that aren't get cut off and thrown in a fire. So we are reminded, Lord, that how close we are to the shepherd and how connected we are to the vine is vital. And so, Father, in these moments as we sit here, um, and as we have a, a couple of minutes just to be quiet with you, help us to examine that. And, Lord, if we've disconnected and disobeyed and pushed you away because we didn't want to go there, In these moments, just hear our prayer and reconnect. Lord, for some of us here, perhaps we're in that ditch. We've slid off the road. We were trying to get out. We were disconnected. We were disoriented and distracted and all those things. But Lord, when we're there, just would you hear our cry? Would you turn your face to us? When we can't reach you, would you reach out to us? Lord, we know that our fruitfulness needs to be a byproduct, not our goal. And so, Father, help us to fix our eyes on you because you've told us, Scripture has told us, you are the author, the beginner, the maker, and the perfecter, the one who completes our faith. And so, Father connect with us as we attempt to connect with you. Amen.